It's tried and true, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And folks, this is our episode zero. It's the first episode of our show, and we're going to kick things off with a 2020 season preview. Now, this is a bit different than what you can expect from us on a week-in, week-out basis once the season starts. What we're going to be doing is broadcasting live uh, from Audi Field for all home games. We're still kind of working through the details there of where exactly we'll be at. Uh, But our goal is to bring you kind of the hot takes from the fans right as the game ends. We'll bring you a recap. Uh, and, and we'll get that raw reaction that you can't really get anywhere else. Uh, but to get things kicked off this season, we wanted to introduce ourselves, introduce the show, and let's talk a little bit about what this season looked like from the players' perspective. What are we expecting from DC United uh, in the 2020 season is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, uh, before we get there, in case this is the first DC United content you've ever consumed, uh, DC United is one of the nine remaining original teams in major league soccer the top flight of soccer in the united states they are also the most decorated club in america as the team store proudly displays our trophy case uh filled with two u.s open cups and four mls cups uh dc united was kind of the original dynasty in this league Uh, used to play our games at rfk Uh, it was a fun time the loyal fans of dc united absolutely love it there uh we've transitioned uh, to Audi Field and and kind of find found new life there. Uh, the main man leading us there, Ben Olson. Yeah, you're right. Ben Olson is that main man who's helping us make that transition. Um, for those of you who don't know, he actually used to be a player for DC United. He played from 1998 till 2009 with DC United. He did have a brief um, spurt with it, an England team, um, Nottingham Forest. He played 18 games with them, and it's also notable that he played 36 or 37, excuse me, games with the U.S. men's national teams. He has those caps for that, which was very exciting to watch. Um, As I mentioned, he retired from being a player in 2009 and started up as an assistant coach and interim coach in 2010, and he transitioned to our head coach and has been coaching us ever since. He's been with us for 348 games, and in that time, he has been able to bring home the Open Cup in 2013, which was kind of a crazy year. I'm sure that we will mention it, and everyone who was there for it, and even if you weren't, I'm sure you've heard about 2013. Um, but right now, we want to talk about 2019 and what last year looked like. So, again, for those who perhaps weren't there, or those who just need a refresher, DC United finished fifth in the East and tenth overall. Um, in the MLS table, um, they had 50 points and they had 13 wins, 11 draws, and 10 losses. Some people considered this a success, some people didn't. We ended up getting knocked out in the first round of playoffs to Toronto, 5 1. Um, but before we look at that game specifically, if we want to get into it, how do we feel about the overall season, y'all? Well, you know, from my perspective, Sam, it, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's jarring looking at this this table again because obviously it's been several months since I've been tracking the the, the week by week status and good lord we only scored forty two goals last year I mean if if there was ever a stat that that kind of depicted the challenges this team had um, they only let in thirty eight which is the fewest by uh, a bit of a margin of the top clubs in the East but they're not even close on goals scored last year. And, and, and thinking back to it, that was the frustration in a lot of games. And, and to me, you know, I think the game that really summed up where the season was heading was probably the finale at Audi Field. 
needing needing a win against the worst team in the league to to clinch a home playoff game. And not only could they not do it, they couldn't do it against a Cincinnati team that was down men. Yeah. They, would, they would be playing with nine, right? Yeah, a team that let the most goals in MLS history in a season. Uh, kind of crazy. Uh, I can't get this far into talk about 2019 without the, the main cast, uh, Luciano Acosta and Wayne Rooney, uh, two star-studded players that we used to have. Uh, once moved on to Derby County, that's Wayne Rooney, the Manchester United legend, England legend, top goal scorer all time for them. It just Why is it that everybody on this team has to go play for bad teams in the Midlands? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, for and, their feeding ground. <laughs> no, Lucho ended up, uh, well, there was this off-season hype about him moving to PSG that uh, something happened in the last minutes where it seemed DC United wanted a little bit more money or maybe PG, PSG lowballed them. Yeah, uh, the transfer last minute. Transfer didn't happen. Uh, and I feel like we never really got to see the best of Lucha, who uh, I'll come out. It was one of my favorite players before that time. Um, I don't think he ever recovered. Uh, I mean, if we're being honest, I, after the news broke, he was definitely down. You know, we talked about him coming right back to training camp, though, and like really trying to get past it. But looking back a year from now, it's almost like the guy never took the time to like really process what had happened. Yeah. And it showed. And yeah. by the end of the season he wasn't even starting anymore. It was, it was really hard to watch. I mean, watching him in 2018 when we opened Audi Field, like there was so much hype around the team. You know, you have Luke Giroux with him and Wayne Rooney, and they just, they killed it. It was so fun to watch, and that was the first time and maybe a little bit that it was really fun to consistently watch DC United games. And then I understand that it must be really hard. I mean, obviously PSG is one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, everyone really knows what that team means. And I'm sure that it's so devastating to literally fly to Paris and then be told you have to come back. But he did never recover, and it was hard. You could see that he was so frustrated on the field. And like you said, by the end, he wasn't even really playing. And it was just, again, after seeing all the lightning he brought in 2018, it was really hard to watch in 2019. And I don't really think it was a surprise to anybody that he did not return for the season. Well, and, and the other half of Lucharu, uh, as we kind of alluded to, Wayne Rooney uh, moving on to Derby County uh, recently, but but throughout the second half of the 2019 season, he really faded away too. We knew he was leaving. I had some really strong opinions about this throughout the whole season. Uh, if you look at his goals, he scored 11 goals, 11-ish goals. I, I won't go on record saying it's for sure 11, <laughs> but he scored 11-ish goals. And I think the majority of them were from set pieces, either penalties or free kicks. And and everyone knows Wayne Rooney's free kicks. I mean, they're, they're a thing of beauty, but that's not sustainable. And that's probably why we were down at 42 goals for. Uh, and I think Ben realized that, that Lucharu was gone. Uh, and so we kind of changed philosophies midway through the season back to back to Ben Olsen, who Sam talked about his tried and true method of just that gritty defending and it worked it got us into the playoffs but uh... it did but it was it was really hard being in the stands or even watching on tv because Wayne Rooney you know we depended we we've played one forward for many years now you know Ben Olsen has really favored just playing one up top but it's been hard because I don't know that we've always had that player who can play one up top and towards the end of last season Wayne Rooney really dropped down to a six position like there were a lot of times when it did not look like we had a forward on the field, which was really hard. Um, and you could kind of see that during our playoff game, which when you look at the score, maybe doesn't give – I mean, I think it gives an accurate picture, but I think there's a little more to the story. So we played at Toronto. John mentioned um, we needed a win at the last home game of the season, last game of the regular season. Couldn't get that win. We ended up traveling to Toronto. Um, they scored a goal 
on us in regular play. It came down to, I'm pretty sure, stoppage time, correct? When we put that ball in off a cross, off a corner. It was major. It was in, like, the final moments of the game. Everyone was really hype. We're going into extra time. And then Toronto just came out and really destroyed us the first half of extra time. Uh, One of those four goals that came in extra time from D.C. United, former, I mean, I'd almost say legend at this point, Nick DeLeon, uh, a fan favorite for sure. And and so they piled it on and and definitely, not even effectively, definitely ended D.C. United season. And then a lot has happened since then. Um, John, you want to talk a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the goal scorer in that game uh, is another player who's departed. Uh, Lucas Diti Rodriguez uh, is no longer with the squad. Um, uh, Him, uh, Lenar Hara. Uh, n- not returning this year we talked about lucho and we talked about wayne and so as you as you look to build a roster dc united losing four of, of 11 starters really yeah those i mean hara hara was a, sometimes great sometimes non-existent uh i he I wasn't think, a great defender i mean we, we can we can probably just say that yeah i i liked what he brought to the to the offense of the team but uh, yeah he's kind of too slow to be able to get back especially in this league where I, I honestly think the physicality in this league is at a different level. All right. I mean, I'm kind of down talking about late season, but I really think we have a lot to look forward to this season. We made so many fantastic signings, and I know that Joshua wants to geek out over one of them. So, so let's just get to it's it. It's Eric Sorter, right? <laughs> we'll get to that one later. But uh, talking all, about the right back spot, a guy that played right back for Atlanta United, uh, one of my favorite players, I uh, – People might not know who he is, but Ben Bromley uh, did a big piece about this from Black and Red United. He did a big piece about him during the draft. And, uh, and unfortunately, his name is? His name is Julian Gressel. He played for Providence. Uh, he was select- selected eighth in the draft. Me and Ben uh, were hoping that DC and I would bump up and try to get him. But he ended up, goes, ended up going to Atlanta. He, he's double-digit goals, almost like, 30 plus assist over that time. I mean, tearing up the league. I think he was MLS best 11 at right back, which isn't even his natural position. DC United brings him in this off season for what looks like less than a million in gam tam, which is uh, fake monopoly money and MLS uh, <laughs> for those who are not initiated. Uh, definitely, definitely a resource. This team has limited amounts of, but uh, I think it's a great deal for this team. When do we remember who DC United took in that 2017 super draft? Uh, Odie Etzem, he yeah, did. Yeah, Chris So he he is uh, potentially going to be competing for playing time with Julian Gressel now. Right. So p- perhaps at a specific position. Let 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 me let me quantify that. I, I would expect to see Julian Gressel on the field in any number of roles this year. Uh, but but at one of the at probably right back. Right. And so that's one of the the fun things about Julian Gressel is we don't know where he's played. He played striker for Providence in college. He played right back for Atlanta United in their cup run. Where does he fit into this DC United schedule? And I don't, I don't want to get into our, our lineup uh, discussion too quick, but man, he's uh, he's the versatile kind of player that you Ben Olsen definitely wants, and I think he, that you definitely want on your team. Yeah. So before touching on that, maybe we should touch on the other big signings. I mean, we can't. Uh, we've gone too far without referencing Edison Flores, who is just a massive gift for this club. About five million dollars from Liga Emeke. Um, it looks like he'll play. At the 10 spot for DC United. He can play left wing as well. Um, he played at the 10 spot for for his team, which I cannot pronounce, Morelia and Liga Meke. But he looks like a fun, exciting player who will just create chances and take shots at goals. I looked at his highlight clip, and he's just like 
literally like off balance on his weaker foot, taking a shot and, and it goes in. Um, so we'll see how he's utilized in our formation and, and in our team, but I'm excited for him. Yeah. And then John, you want to touch on that last major signing? Potentially? Yeah. And, and you know, I just, we can't, we can't possibly leave Flores without me at least pointing out that, you know, he's, he's probably in, in at least some of the front office's mind, he's the Lucho replacement signing. Right. Um, but in in so many ways, he, I think he's an important signing for the fan base. You know, he's he's a Peruvian international, and and the the Peruvian population here in D.C. has already gotten super excited about this guy coming in. The, the only challenge I'm having yet is we haven't had a chance to see him. You know, like with with as many preseason games we've played and his visa situation, and finally getting all that sorted out. Now we just need a stream from a preseason game to really know what what this guy's going to bring to our club. But super super excited about him um and so sam are you alluding to ola kamara who joined the team uh, the team midway through last season yeah. i'll jump on that one yeah <laughs> well i think it's hard to call him like a signing because he did jump on last season but in many ways he is a new commodity to fans watching the 2020 season right he only played five games last season for dc united scored in three of them including it like this beautiful curving ball from outside the box uh, i think ola kamara is the real deal in this league he's in all of his full season, he's played three full seasons in MLS. Uh, uh, I think one or two for Columbus Crew and then another one for LA Galaxy when he was kind of competing first time with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, if you know who that is. Um, he, he, I think he is poised for floor of 10 goals this year, a ceiling. I would put a ceiling maybe at 25. I think he's going to go off this year. He's the main man. Uh, he's our, Like Sam talked about, we play with one striker here in D.C., I think he's the guy for the whole season, and I think he's got options to give him the ball. So He's uh, a proven finisher. Absolutely. There's yeah. no doubt. And then I think we'd be remiss. I mean, again, it doesn't really feel like a new player because he's played for D.C. United before, but we got a sob back, y'all. Like, that's major. That is such a win for the fans. Yeah, I, I think that we're all super excited about Emil Assad, but I, I will tell you that more than excitement i i fear the fact that this guy hasn't played a true competitive game in what feels like almost a year and a half i i'm the most cautious about this guy <laughs> i watched the sod's goal when he opened it up the count at, at atlanta stadium and then when he wa- opened up the account at audi field uh, he's he's got he's got the smunk he's got the 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 lightning that you talked about lucho having uh but yeah like you said he's been without a club for a while and, yeah. and before that was just like on the bench, not, not, not being used. Yeah. I mean, I think there is some trepidation about it, but he, I think really wanted to come back to DC. I don't think he wanted to leave in the first place, but I mean, he was like in every fan's tweet of bring back Assad, you know, yeah. I think he really wanted to come back and I think that he's going to give it his all to be able to come back and be fit and be here for the fans. Cause I think he really enjoys playing in DC. Oh, I, I think he's super excited, and, and I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting uh, in in the attacking midfield this year because there are a lot of names uh, that, that fill out that portion of, of your lineup map, uh, but there are also uh, some question marks, whether it's been players who have been uh, without real playing time for a while, like Emil Assad, or if it's players who unfortunately are, are banged up right now. Um, you know, Flores missing a little bit of time, I believe, with the groin, and then uh, the, the most recent and perhaps most devastating news at least for me one of my one of my all-time favorites uh Paul Areola suffering in a right ACL injury uh in this most recent uh preseason game against Orlando and it sounds like the news is perhaps not as bad as as everyone initially feared uh, we we don't believe that it is a fully torn ACL um but either way it's going to be several months uh before Paul's back up 
and, and ready to go. And of course, we don't have a definitive timeline on that yet, but that that definitely puts a serious dent uh, in in the midfield. And, and as excited as we were about the Gressel signing, um, it almost is like we're kind of back to where we started from without Paul. You know, now we've got Gressel's going to have to step up and do a lot of those types of, of plays. But but now we've got a dent. So what do we do in midfield? Well, if we're going to go through the whole midfield, I think I think Ben rolls out two defensive-ish midfielders, uh, Canals and Moreno probably starting. Felipe might push Canals to the bench, which is, I don't know, maybe miss Or him. right back. Or, or right back, which... Because <laughs> uh, we got to talk about that, too. We, you know, there's not a whole lot of depth anywhere. Yeah, like you said, we haven't seen... We haven't seen this team fully. Uh, I guess we won't until the summer because now Flores is finally in the mix with his visa stuff fixed, and now Ariel is out. So I think my midfield is going to be – it was going to be Ariel on the left wing, so now maybe Assad, Flores playing that 10 spot, Gressel on the right wing, and then a combination of Felipe Moreno and maybe some Canals in there uh, mixing it around. With Flores. Yeah, Flores at the 10, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think up top, Ola Kamara's the, the definitive starter there. Just Sharpie that one in. I mean, <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about too much uh, uh, Sorga, who uh, has a weird MLS roster rule. The CBA wasn't decided yet. And if this is way over your head, uh, be happy because this is just too much MLS. Uh, we signed Sorga to Loudon. He was the top goal scorer in the Estonian League. Uh, I know a lot of our watchers probably follow that league. Um, scored like 30-something goals. Uh, DC and I take a flyer on this guy. Uh, he could be a, a solid backup. Uh, hopefully no injuries happen, but a lot of upside on him. Uh, but yeah, I think Kamara is literally first name on the seat. Like there's no one else. Yeah. I think offensively that's where we've made our most moves. I mean, that's where we've made our only seemingly moves in the off season. And I think that we look pretty strong. I think obviously everyone could want more depth. And I think that part of that is that Paul got injured, which is definitely heartbreaking to him and fans. I mean, I think he kind of epitomizes what Ben Olsen looks for in his team. He looks for those guys who are hustling really, really hard and who are just going to put it all out there um, and give it their all. And you see that both for D.C. United and the men's national team with Paul Ariola, which is hard. But, I mean, I don't think it he makes or breaks our team. At the end of the day, I always want Paul Ariola. I will never say that he is not one of our starting players in the form that he has been in and of recent. But, I mean, I think that it just makes that Julian Gressel signing that much more important. Like, I mean, obviously no one knew he was going to get injured, but it just makes it so much better that we did have that quote unquote depth. Right. And then, I mean, we're just waiting for Paul to get better, but I don't think that we have to depend upon him coming back in the second half of our season to make it in a playoffs. I think that we are still going to be able to make a pretty good run at the beginning of the season without him. Yeah. I I really hope you're right, Sam. And it's probably a good thing we're doing this episode today uh, on Monday, the 17th and not Saturday night right after the news came out because (laughs) I was, I was crushed. I mean, (laughs) Paul has always been one of my favorites. Um, I, I, I love him as a person, love him as a player. Um, he, to me, he's, he's the heart and soul of this team in a lot of ways. Like there's games where he doesn't have assists, he doesn't have goals, but the little things he does that sets up the plays and it keeps the team going. Um, I, I, I don't know that you can quantify and, um, I, I hope that the team can make up for that. Um, but if they can't, I think they're going to become very, very apparent over the next couple of months without him out there. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, one of the things, as you mentioned, 
goalkeeper might be the only position that Paul's not played for DC United <laughs> on this roster since he joined the team. I mean, he's just so versatile. And, and I think Julian Gressel is, is a player who kind of is, is very similar. And so in a lot of ways, you're right. Um, we may not be hurt as much, um, but we may be uh, inhibited from kind of going to the next level until Paul comes back. You know? yeah. So can we do enough to stay in, in the race, uh, not dig ourselves too big of a bowl, and then that's a that's a big boost in the summer window potentially, um, and it's not a signing; it's just a player coming back healthy, yeah. and so the team's got potentially another chance to to make a signing too, depending on depending on where we are. But but one thing I do want to touch on here in the midfield uh, before we talk about our our defense, which will be interesting. Um, Yamil Assad's also a little banged up right now, and so it's not a hundred percent certain that he's going to be available for the opener. And so I think what I heard you guys say is, you know, it's really uh, Assad, Flores, and, and Gressel probably until the summer is our preferred. Uh, attacking midfield but what happens uh if, if Yamil can't go or can't go a full 90 in that opener are we is, is it Griffin Yao time yeah. who's, who's one of my on favorites Griffin too Yow. right that's what I wanted to uh, kind of transition to next is the, DC United's got a bunch of young guys coming up our our academy is uh getting built and set up but we we've got a, a solid almost like a whole year of players coming up we got a Yao Paredes and Nyman coming up and and we haven't seen much of them because, like you said, the streams have been down. But they seem like like bona fide players in this league. They they got some some starts for Loudon last year and seem to show there. Uh, I'm excited to see how much game time they'll get. Yeah. Uh, um, if we'll rely on them because uh, yeah. they are unproven a- and how they do. Yeah. It- and when th- when you're talking about the young players, I mean, I know we're going to get to defense, but Pines needs to be kind of in that conversation. He was injured a lot last year, but he really did show up. Injured again this year. Okay, well, <laughs> we're hoping he's going to come back. I think he's worth being in the conversation, though, because he really did show up for those games. He was And he definitely scored a goal in Minnesota, despite what our friends at the professional referees And then celebrated with the coaching staff. Thing. That'll get my heart every time. But, I mean, I am always for bringing in the younger players. I mean, obviously you need those veterans who can bring you that experience, but I mean, again, to Harbaugh, what a great signing Gressel was like, he brings that he's a MLS cup winning player. He knows what it's like to succeed and to help build a team and to help win. So I think that even with that signing, even though you're losing Wayne Rooney, who was that world captain um, and bringing that experience into DC United, I am excited to see us playing those youth players because DC United a couple years ago, kind of towards um, the end of the RFK reign, we were signing a lot of players right before retirement, which was personally really frustrating for me um, just because it's, it's hard. You don't have the pace that you used to. Um, obviously a lot of players play really hard right to learn the end of your career, but sometimes you just don't see that same desire that when you bring a 21, 22 year old onto the field. So I'm really excited yeah. to see these youth players that Joshua mentioned. It, it's, it's totally a different era now, you know, as, as Joshua talked about at the beginning of the show, everyone is young, right? I mean, there's only a few players on this team um, who are even over 30 at, at this point, and, and it's, it's very exciting times. One player that we did skip over uh, as, I'm, as I'm skimming through notes here of rosters, which is really difficult to do before the roster is officially locked in, um, Emma Boateng it was, a, was a signing uh, that DC United made deadline day last summer, I think. Didn't get a whole lot of time, so I, 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 don't, I don't really have a whole lot to say about him other than the fact that he might have a shot uh, now with with Ariola hurt with some young guys. You know what what is Ben going to do? We we didn't talk about Ulysses Segura, who's been a staple in this roster, uh, despite Joshua Chagrin, as I look right at the facial expression he's making. Um, but he he's been around a lot, right? And he he provides uh, consistency 
for, for lack of a better word. And he can play literally everywhere in Ben Olsen's system. He can play striker, winger, defensive midfielder, and sometimes an outside. We're talking about both things, Segura. Right Segura, but John was talking about, yeah. Uh, but Boateng might be in that lineup too. He seems like the Ben Olsen signing where this is an MLS veteran who's had some decent success. Uh, let's just throw him in there somewhere. And I, I kind of hope that Ben is getting away from that, especially when, since we have some really nice pieces this year, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. So, I mean, I think off offensive and talking about that at attacking team is really fun to talk about, but we did mention at the top of the episode that DC United only had 30 equals against, which was, pretty low for the Eastern Conference at least so um what do we think about that defense we have going into the 2020 season yeah I mean it's interesting uh, of the five positions in the back so four four, uh, four in the back line and a goalkeeper uh four of them to me are are sharpied in right I mean you've got Bill Hamid who we talked about big signings um we got him officially again, right? No longer on loan, so that was that was a critical offseason move. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning he just spent time at the January camp, which is Finally. so much experience. Yeah, and I think that not even just DC United fans, but people across MLS have really been screaming for. You know, it's been kind of a mystery as to why Ben Olsen has been over, or I'm sorry, um, Bill Hamid has been overlooked for so long for that January camp. So you know, it's it's only good when you come back from a January camp without injuries, but you get right. so much experience. So I'm excited to see his. Um, rejuvenated excitement for playing for dc coming out of that yeah there's been a few nuggets uh dropped by the social media team through the offseason that dc united might be mixing up with how they utilize bill hamid uh maybe talking about more passing out of the back last year we used to just hoof it up the field uh maybe try to land that ball on wayne rooney's chest and then play from there but it, it seems like bill's poised to start uh joining into the possession game do you think there was a drug deal there where greg bearhalter called up benny and was like look dude if we're gonna, if I'm gonna call up bill like he's gotta play out the back like, <laughs> i that's mean how this is gonna work. that's not bill's strong suit like bill makes amazing reactionary saves he is so good at just stopping those saves that you didn't see coming but honestly distribution i think it's pretty common that i mean he's not the best at distribution to be blank or to be blunt like he's not potentially the one that you always want distributing out the back so if that's what he worked on in january camp and if that's something that the halter said this is what i need you to do to continue getting call-ups i think it'll be interesting to see how that yeah. works out maybe greg realized that bill is in fact better than brad uh guzan and <laughs> bill like, tried to tell him last year uh, <laughs> <better> it works. <laughs> but but you know in, in front of bill hamid uh this year we've got Steve Birnbaum and, and Frederick Briant, who have also pretty much sharpied themselves in, at least early in the season while Pines is, is recovering from yeah. I'd put that Brilliant one in pencil, maybe. You might have to erase that one. Uh, Erasable pen. We'll compromise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think everyone in D.C. would love for Pines to really show himself as a, you know, as a, that lock and starter at center back. We, we saw some good stuff from him last year, but maybe maybe some raw talent still that still needs to be developed uh personally i would love to see him earn that starting spot throughout the season especially since brian is what 34 years old um but i'm glad to have brian back you, you need guys like that and he at times last season was the man of the match and, and shut down defenses well I, I think that's how we felt sorry to cut you off there, Sam. i just want to say i think that that is sort of how we felt last year we hoped that pines would step in and and, and move brian aside and credit to Briant, he kept the job all year and played very very well yeah I mean that's exactly what I was gonna say um and then his pairing Stephen Birnbaum I mean obviously has been a DC United player through and through um and he's had his ups and his downs with you know those head injuries and being called up and then getting injured and potentially not being able to um 
but I mean, I think depth wise, I'd potentially like to see a little bit more for our center back positions. It's a little bit worrisome that Birnbaum and Berliana are only healthy center backs right now. Um, and then even when you look out wide, I don't know if we have a whole lot of depth there. Yeah, there was rumors that DC and I was pursuing a, a French center back for a team that was facing relegation. So we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe if they hurry up and get relegated, maybe DC and I <laughs> make that signing. Um, <laughs> but actively uh, rooting against teams in France now. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do for a team. Yeah. But also, do you want a center back who's facing relegation? Uh, I, I would love to see some depth there. Uh, we don't really have depth outside back position either. Left side, I think, is one of those sharpie positions that that John was talking about. Joe uh, Joseph Mora, one of my other favorites. As long <laughs> as his his jaw holds out this season, should as long be, as we don't play Orlando this season, <laughs> yeah. which we, I think we we have to, unfortunately. Who is also uh, where Paulie really got hurt? So maybe we can. Just there's a conspiracy. The they stole yeah. the arena. Really hoping we'd make it through an episode without <laughs> making our disdain for Orlando known. But here we are. I mean, is it possible? Uh, but besides Mora, we have uh, Odiatson, like you said, and, and Fisher, who, uh, again, injury bug. We missed him in the entirety of last season. Yeah, welcome back to O'Neill Fisher. Really looking forward to, to seeing what he did because I think down the stretch in the 2018 season, he was making great plays. I remember especially and, and perhaps mostly uh, on the attacking end of the field, which could be why uh, we brought in Landon Harda uh, to, to kind of play a similar role. Um, but it is going to be fascinating this year to see how O'Neill Fisher integrates uh, again with the squad, recovers from the injury, and see if that's something where he can keep his position on the team or if that's something that Chris Duyachum, uh takes over. Yeah, I, I think – oh, man. I, I liked what I saw from Fisher. He was part of that 5 nothing route of Montreal two seasons back now. Sorry. Um, but it was such a fun game. And Fisher was part of that. Uh, I, I would love to see more of that, obviously. Uh, we haven't seen too too much of Odiatsum, but uh, again, he's a he's a local kid. He went to Maryland, and, and I'd like to see him succeed here too. Yeah, so I I think maybe where we'll go next is looking at the entirety of the roster. Who do you think is the most critical player to DC United's success in, in 2020? And Sam, you're giving me an interesting look, so I'll start with you. I think I don't know that I can say that it's one player and I think that's part of what I love about DC United is we've never been that team who's depended upon one player I mean look at LA Galaxy last year they relied on Ibrahimovic every single game if he wasn't showing up the team wasn't doing well and I know they have Chicharito right now um so potentially that's going to be the LA Galaxy we see again but for DC United we even when we had Wayne Rooney the top goal scorer for the English national team he wasn't the one sole player we were depending on in his game made or break made or broke dc united i mean he Wayne Rooney definitely had bad games and dc united still ended up winning those games sure so i made that face because i in just, 2018 yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> in 29, you know um but i made that face because i mean i think i mean we talked about it we talked about you know how important that gressel signing is and about how he can potentially um hook up with kamara which i don't even think we really touched on but the whole kind of league is talking about that potential same, you um, cannot list every single player as your key player. Well, I think okay. she answered the question by saying everyone immediately. You're right. It's <laughs> stop me from the literally Who is the single most important player? Everyone. <laughs> everyone. All of them. But that's, again, what I love about this team is we're not built on one player. We don't make or break on one player. It's really going to be us coming as a team together, and that means even when potentially Gressel is having a bad game or one of the players that we've talked about who we're really going to rely on this season is having a bad game, the team around them is going to be able to rally and still 
grit out those wins that are potentially not the prettiest soccer anyone's ever seen, but it's still gritting out that win in the rain at Audi Field in front of your home fans. It sounds to me like that's that's classic Benelson soccer. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm going to not cop out and say everyone. Uh, I'll, I'll go through a list. Uh, Kamara is maybe too consistent. I think I know his game too well to say that he's the key player, and, and, and it shouldn't be that way. It, he's going to score, like I said. I think he's going to score 20 goals this season but he's going to get the ball in the box and kick them in the net. I think that's all he is. There's no sort of some sort of variable there. I think he does that without a doubt. Uh, Flores, that 10th spot that Lucha filled for a while, like there's some flair. It's my favorite position in soccer, that creative role, but he's unknown. I, I haven't seen him play. I think, I think my key player this year has to be Julian Gressel, where he factors into this team. If he can do it without – Joseph Martinez being the one sliding those goals in, into the net. Um, yeah, I think I think he's the biggest factor. And, and it seems like with Ariel out, he's going to be playing on that right wing. Maybe a, a little bit more to do with the attack. So yeah. Everyone to tweet Joshua L. Morgan because he's already basically had his Russell jersey pre-ordered since... When did he get? Uh, you cannot pre-order DC United jerseys <laughs> right now. We're, and and we're not mad about that in at his all. his dreams since he signed into the league. Well, and, and I think you, you made a really good point and kind of kind of what I was alluding to earlier is like, yeah, Gressel's going to have to step in and now he's got a very defined role pretty much of what he's going to have to do. And, and as I mentioned, had we had this question two days ago before the news about Paul, I probably would have said Paul. And I would have said he's he's our most important player because he's the only one in this midfield and in, in the attacking portion of the field do you think uh, he can who's a holdover. Do you think be that player? Well, I think he can be. I, I think when he comes back, but I think a lot of that is really going to depend on where the team is at. You know, if the team is really struggling not even above the red line when he comes back then then certainly but I think to me right now uh, of the players who we're going to see hopefully all season long uh, it, it's got to be Edison Flores I mean he's he's replacing Lucho in, in, in any number of ways but for this attack to work it's going to flow through the 10 and and we don't know what he's going to do in this league but we've seen him prove himself internationally uh, for Peru and in the Mexican league and I, a lot of big expectations for Flores and I, and I think as he goes, so goes the D.C. United season, at least in my mind. Yeah, I completely agree about what you said with Paul, where, where we are at when Paul comes back. So kind of what do you think? What do you predict? What do you think will happen this year? Well, let me uh, let me actually pull up the schedule here because as much as I've memorized the first four or five games, it kind of drops off after that. Um, well, I'll jump in then while you're looking that up if you want to call it a cop-out again, Joshua, but every single year I – just got to put those good vibes out there and say we're going to win an MLS Cup. I just want to see us get five. <laughs> like, I really want to see us do it. But I think that we do have such a competitive lineup. Do Are we going to be the very best team in MLS? Potentially not necessarily. I don't think that we kind of have that on some of these other teams because a lot of other teams have had really good signings and have also been making moves in this postseason. But I would feel bad to say I – think anything less than an MLS cut well so I, I think we're going to learn a lot through the through the first month or so of the season I mean I I'm not going to take you through a game by game breakdown here but the team starts off with two home games Colorado uh who are not good at least based on last year uh and Miami who are brand new to the league then they go away to Cincinnati who were the worst team in the league last year uh and then they go away to Philly who seem to just beat us no matter what anymore uh and and then the first game in April uh is another home game to NYCFC so I think of those five games you're really seeing a, a diverse mix of MLS teams 
you're playing uh, three at home, but then a tough road game at Philly, and then the Cincinnati game being one that I think anybody can look at saying you've got to win that game. So I think we're going to learn a lot about DC United through the first five weeks of the season. And then overall, you think we're going to win the cup, right? <laughs> I think overall, um, you know, I, it's tough now knowing that, that Paul's going to be out until at least the summer. Um, I, I'd love to see us at least getting that home playoff game to start. Um, but so much of it really is just going to depend on where we're at when Paul comes back. Um, do I think that this team is capable of winning the MLS Cup? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think back in maybe December, January, before some of these signings came in, I was getting a little worried that we'd only lost players. But this is an exciting team. It's a young team. It's a talented team. Uh, I, I, I think the sky's the limit. But they got to stay healthy, um, and they've got to get some some additional signings in just for depth. Um, but hey, you know maybe maybe we've got the injury bug out of the way in February, and, <laughs> and Paul being banged up for a few months, and seemingly the rest of the team with a small injury. Like maybe that's the worst it gets. And I, I don't I'm not going to sit here and say that MLS Cup isn't possible, um, but they've got their work cut out for them. Yeah, I, I think I think that's my prediction as well. So. We've seen a little bit of these players. I, I know enough about these players to feel good, but I don't know if I know enough about them to say this is how their season's going to go. Assad could come back and tear it up. He could also come back and look like he hasn't played soccer in a year. Uh, Gressel could come here and be the same Gressel that he was in Atlanta, or he could you know, sputter a little bit without that team around him. It, it, it could go either way. And so I'm going to trend towards the middle. Um, Maybe we sneak into that third spot when Ariel comes back, and I would love that. I would love to have a home playoff game back at Audi Field. And then once playoffs start, you I mean, endlessly, you never know. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'll just stick – man, uh, I'll stick towards the, towards the median. We, we do well enough to get a playoff spot. Maybe we get into that third spot. Yeah, I mean, it, it just to just to kind of caveat here, I mean, I think we've we've talked, um, obviously not on the podcast, but amongst ourselves for the past few years, that it's frustrating that the goal is making the playoffs. Um, and again, a couple of days ago, I don't think that's what I would have said. But you know, now you've got one of your most expensive, one of your most talented players on the shelf for a while, and now all of a sudden that that kind of becomes the goal, <laughs> you know. Um, and and we'll we'll reassess throughout the year. But it's interesting to look across the East. Um, and, and this is another kind of shocking to me. I guess NYCFC allegedly won the East last year. <laughs> it certainly doesn't feel like it. Um, but Atlanta shed a number of players in the offseason. Obviously, Julian Gressel coming here uh, along with some other uh, players out. Philadelphia finished third and, and Toronto finished fourth. And so looking around the East, it's really tough as it is every year to kind of where, where are these teams all going to finish? It's just too early below dc united that's certainly the hope <laughs> and so before we say goodbye for our for our uh first slash zeroth episode um let's talk a little bit more about what we're planning to do this season so as, as we mentioned at the top of the show um our our goal is to go live with a post-game podcast uh right after every game so within about a half an hour um uh, we'll be relocating ourselves from the supporter section to somewhere within audi field and like i said we're still finalizing the logistics there um but the hope is that you all can can join us as part of the audience listen to the show live um and, and can be part of the show and of course during away games we're going to travel to as many as we can and for the ones that we can't travel um we'll be doing the show live from one of our apartments or from a local bar uh in the area but we've got a lot of live shows to do this year we're going to be bringing those live uh 
post-game reactions, not just from the three of us, um, but from you as well. So hopefully if you've, if you've stuck around this long, um, you're interested in following us on Twitter or Instagram at DCU. Um, you can email us at tridandtruedcu at gmail.com with any questions you have or any reactions um, that, that you may have from a specific game. We can try to get to those, but I think the best way really live during the show to, to get in touch with us is to either join uh, the stream live on YouTube Live, which we'll be monitoring for comments and questions, uh, but also you can text the show at 202-892-6328. That's 202-892-6DCU uh, with any thoughts that you have, and, and, and we'll take some comments live. Uh, on the air and then of course uh, immediately the the next day after the show if it's too late if it's one of those uh, LA Galaxy away games midweek uh, we'll have the podcast up uh, on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Stitcher and Spotify uh, so you can listen to us uh, in the morning and, and and get a recap of the game and and, and hopefully uh, enjoy reliving the magic of a DC United win Joshua Sam any closing thoughts just excited for this season Let's yeah same thanks for listening less than 12 days away now guys uh, so thank you so much for, for, for taking part in our first ever episode. And uh, we look forward to talking at you again real soon. Here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken.